Good morning, good morning. All right, wait, they turned me down. We're going to do that again. Good morning, good morning. Ooh, that was nice. Thank you guys so much for being here, and welcome to 1111. My name is Kagan Parker, and it is a pleasure to see all your beautiful faces here today. Um, thank you for braving the cold. None of us were ready. We knew it was coming, but none of us were ready. Um, we've just got a few quick announcements. <clears throat> So if you scanned your bulletin on the way in, which our little our little QR code at the bottom, there's an opportunity to, to register your presence here and also provide your offering online if you don't want to do it in person. But we do have an opportunity for you to do that during our offering song. Um, this is also a gentle reminder that if you want to volunteer and hang out with me in the morning, you can come and hang out with me and help with the bulletin and help with coffee, help with the tables. And Miss Nancy in the back has opportunities for us with that as well in the back. Um, a big round of applause to Miss Nancy again. Like, she's really taking care of us and we're really, really thankful for her. Um, and lastly, this is a gentle reminder from our wonderful Pastor Tom and from us at the, the programming team that 1111 is not just simply a safe space to remember we are loved for who we are and explore our faith authentically, but this is also a brave space. This is where we can turn down the daily media noise, the judgmental noise in our minds, and bravely open up to what we don't know about ourselves and look deeper into the thread of what connects us all. Um, we are going to be graced by Miss MJ this morning to do our welcome candle. Come on up. We can put that up on the screen. Hello. Good morning. Happy Sunday. Uh, such a blessing to be with you this morning. And uh, candle's been lit. And for those at home, please join us in our welcome candle. Come, come, whoever you are, wanderer, worshiper, lover of leaving, it doesn't matter. Ours is not a caravan of despair. Come. Even if you have broken your vows a thousand times, come yet again. Now we find ourselves in late December I believe that New Year's Eve will be the perfect time for their great surrender But they don't remember Anger wants a voice, a voices want to sing Singers harmonize till they can't hear anything was free from all that questioning but every time a problem ends another one begins and the storms of how many I'll be witness anybody with a beat mind can never forget the sign a freaking stinks inside a place you thought was dignified I don't want to live like this I don't want to die I don't want to live like this. 
like a young pretender. But these my big gloves I had, the sheep will cook it in the money lender. Cause I still remember Ingo wants a voice, the voices wanna sing, the singers harmonize till they can't hear anything. I thought that I was free from all that questioning, and every time a problem ends, another one begins, and the star walls of harmony I'll bear witness. Would y'all stand and sing with us now, y'all? We've got a good old-fashioned hymn to play for y'all.
So, uh, so, um, so we're about to say good, hello to one another, greet one another, but I, we're talking about change, facing change, dealing with change, the consistencies that we have to face every day that are sort of like the givens in life. And uh, this has been an interesting time that we've been in the last couple of years and as well as, as uh, the last week even. So, um, so here's what I want you to think of, just something simple. Think of something that's changed this simple, like a coffee shop that you used to love to go to, a favorite bookstore, or somebody who decided to cut their hair or grow it out long. Whatever it is, something simple that's changed. We experience change all the time, every day, in lots of little ways. Think about what something is that's kind of a, kind of a little bit of a pet peeve for you that you've seen recently or in the last year or so. Say hello to one another, and if you can, say something that you just wish hadn't changed. <laughs> All right, greet one another with signs of peace and welcome the change.
all would be here this morning. I know there's about 20 or so of you that aren't here this morning because you emailed and texted me this week to say you wouldn't be here this morning. So it was really interesting. I thought, well, I'm not going to be here either then. And so I <laughs> almost sent y'all a text. Um, but I know some of you are online. I've already been looking and seeing that a number of you are watching on Facebook, and I suspect a lot of you are watching online at the church's website there. So glad to have you online with us as well. And I think probably... Uh, Dan and Becky Manning, you all may be online with us uh, this morning, but uh, Becky's uh, stepfather had uh, passed away this last week, not unexpected, but still, uh, you know, another change in life, right? Another, another reality of life, and, um, and I'd met with Dan last week just having coffee and visiting, and Dan Manning, who many of you all know, a retired uh, uh, a school superintendent over in Alito, a longtime member of this community, also got into poetry as something new in his life. He shared a poem or two in here before, and he was just reading one that he had written not too long ago, given the time that we are in, the season we're in, and I thought, well, this is perfect. So he couldn't be here today, but I'm going to read it to you. It's entitled, Leaves. Leaves, nature's uniquely colored shapeshifters. Billions of them inhabiting our planet, each with its own signature identity, reminding humans that change is natural, normal, and it's necessary. Leaves. They tell us a powerful yet soft-spoken story, a story of life in all of its seasons, our world and its beauty, pain, glory, and death, 
It's all here if we watch them. Their story speaks to us every single day. Leaves. They emerge in the spring in a glorious green announcement, remain strong and fresh throughout the summer, and in the fall, its colors change in a beautiful palette of red, maroon, yellow, and brown. They whisper as they fall, saying, life is a cycle of seasons. Watch closely and learn. Leaves. They fall in a slow dance. Once fallen, they travel in a whisper, lightly landing, quietly gathering in groups in one last reminder to us, in case we somehow miss it, changes have occurred. Pay attention to leaves. It's fall outside today, and I'm watching the leaves as they descend quietly from their trees. Change has come. I have yet to learn its meaning. We're going to invite y'all to sing with us uh, while you're seated. You don't got to stand up for this one. Elena's going to lead this one for us. Sing it one more time again.
As we move into this time of Kairos, the time that's in between all that has happened and all that is yet to be, as we wait, as we wonder, we come into this place which is a time of change, constant change, and I invite you to reflect on the meaning of the final line that Tom read for us of the poem, Leaves. It said, change has come, I have yet to learn its meaning. We like things sometimes to be black and white, but so much of our life is gray and it's in the middle and we don't get the instant answers and the instantaneous things that we wish we had. So how can we live faithfully in the midst of change when we don't quite understand its meaning? May we pray. Oh, Holy One, so many more questions go through our minds and our hearts than the answers that actually come. We work so hard. We feel as though we've opened ourselves. And change still happens around us. We can't stop it, although we try. We wish for things to be different. And yet, how is it that here today, amongst the change, we are still here? In this time together, may we open our minds and our hearts to the ways of being present in the change and leaning into it, although we may not know its meaning today or tomorrow. May we trust. May we have that space within our mind and our heart our being, our community, that allows us to wonder, allows us to question, and for certain, allows us to be reminded that we are never alone. Change is constant, but so is grace, so is love, and so is kindness. So on this day, in the midst of all the change, may we lean in, be present, not fight it, and find what there is in this moment that is for all of us. In the name of the one in whom we live and move and have our being, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for that. Um, I always really love when Deandra does. Kairos, I think it adds an extra bit of zhuzh to our service, which we love. So I have the pleasure of doing our readings for today. They all come from the message version. I think that's kind of our favorite version here at 1111 because it takes things from a different perspective. So our first reading comes from Job 12, verses 7 through 8. And God said to Job, ask the animals what they think. Let them teach you. Let the birds tell you what's going on. Put your ear to the earth. And learn the basics. Listen, the fish in the ocean will tell you their stories. Our next passage comes from John 12, 24 through 25. A grain of wheat falls to the earth and is buried, dead to the world. It is never more than a seed, but if buried, it reproduces itself many times over. So anyone who holds on to life as it is destroys that life. But if you let it go, reckless in your love, 
you'll have life, real and eternal. And finally, from Philippians 4, celebrate God all day, every day. Make it as clear as you can to all that you meet that you're on their side, working with them and not against them. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do your best by filling your minds on things true, authentic, and gracious. Do that, and God will work, God will work you into life's most excellent harmonies. Thanks, Kagan. Thanks, DeAndrea, and um, special thanks to all of the folks that have so much to do with this service from week in and week out. I know that you all, I've said this before, but it's, it's always, I came over here later than usual this, after, this morning because of other things going on across the parking lot, and as I came over here, I realized all of the things that take place prior to you all gathering here, the, the Nancy Derringer and Kagan and uh, Ava Nell before who've helped out, and then... Uh, uh, and then our, our AV team that does all the work to set all this up. And then after it's over, they take it all back down again. And it's as if nothing happened in this room. And uh, the chairs get taken up. And then something else happens in this space later today or tomorrow. All sorts of different realities happen in this one space alone. And all the people that make it happen and put it together. Not to mention the people over across the parking lot who are helping to make the stream come together for you guys. So I'm always thankful for all the many invisible hands. And of course, I want to reiterate and put another plug in for you volunteering to do greeting and to, uh, to welcome folks as they come in or to be a part of the Taste Project over down to, and on South, uh, South Main Street or any number of volunteer opportunities here. As Nancy calls it, you get a chance to be the magic. <laughs> so uh, you can be a part of all of that as well. So look at the back table and you'll see something there. All right. So we're finishing up our series, saying, oh, yes, man, I didn't realize we are going to use that, I like that, <laughs> saying yes to everything, everywhere. Now, I'm going to preface this really quickly, because I've recommended several times that you all go see this movie. It's online now, you can see it online. Uh, several of us have seen it, I know that. Uh, everything, Everywhere, All at Once, a film that came out last month or so, a month or so ago. Uh, and then I had a nice email from someone who I trust very, very much, who had said, you know, this is a really great film, however, it didn't make any sense. Until it did, but there was all of that when it didn't. Then there was a lot of sort of martial arts in there. I don't really like martial arts all that much. <laughs> and then there was these uh, sort of difficult scenes to watch. I'll only mention that it involves hot dog fingers. Some of you know what I'm talking about because you watched it. And then there's a lot of intense flashing scenes that happen every now and then, and that may be trouble for some folks. And I thought to myself... Oh, I just thought that's normal. Isn't that normal? Isn't that what you always expect when you watch a movie? So I'm giving you a little heads up here that if you uh, do decide to go watch it, look forward to those things happening and to be surprised. And yes, as I watched it with Linda, my third time, her first time this last week, and Linda looked over at me about two-thirds of the way through the movie. She was still looking at me like, really, can we just go back to a, a masterpiece theater or something? Would that be okay? And I said, no, just hang with it. Just hang with it. There's a beautiful scene with rocks. And, she, and uh, sure enough, we were both crying by two-thirds or three-fourths of the way through the movie and found the connections. But there was some extended stuff that you just have to kind of put up with. So I invite you to still check it out. But that's the reason why I use the phrase everything, everywhere, is because what I think we're about in 1111 that might be different from a lot of other church experiences 
maybe that some of you have experienced in your past, where, in fact, as, as DeAndrea mentioned, there are things that are concrete, that are kind of forced, I mean, kind of indoctrinated, kind of this, this line that's drawn that says, this is how you believe, this is how you don't believe, this is how you're included, this is how you're not included, this is what is right, this is what is wrong. And, you, and some of us have come out of these experiences that were, in fact, even abusive in many ways, whether verbally or exclusionary or marginalizing, but we felt very very disconnected, if not uh, excluded. And so this idea of where things are black and white, what we try to do in here, I think, is we try to find that space where we can see how all things are happening all at once. And the challenge for us in our spiritual practice and our discipline is to find the through line, which I often call the ground of being, which is how the Apostle Paul referred to God when he was talking to those Roman philosophers in, in uh, Greece, and he said, this God or all these gods you worship is the one God. It's the God in whom we all live and move and have our being. So we speak of this ground of being as that through line that we all share, that we all are part of. How do we tap in and recognize the through line in everything, everywhere, all the time? How do we say yes to that? So we're going to finish it up. We're going to conclude today, and I'm going to give you a couple of thoughts here and share a couple of stories. My uncle often took us out hunting and camping, and, and several people did email me and text me or, one, or both and said, you know, I'm going to be out hunting this weekend. And I thought, okay, well, you know, that's great, and bring me some venison. And then, um, so, so I don't think they'll be watching until later, so this is after the fact that you'll be watching. But I got to thinking about my uncle because he took us camping all the time. My father and mom divorced when we were young. Our uncle stepped in, her brother, my mom's brother, and took us on these camping trips or hunting trips. And always on these trips, we would be in the back seat. Now, these trips, because I'm a kid, seemed forever. If they were just the daylight, just a day trip, it seemed like it was taking forever. If it were four days getting across the country, it was a virtual nightmare. We hated to go to sleep because we knew we'd have to get up the next day and get back in the car and drive another day. But it didn't matter how long we were driving and how often we were driving before we got to where we were going. When we were in the back seat, we didn't have cell phones, smartphones, iPads, laptops, electronic games. We just had our arms and our legs, and our bodies, and our faces. And we would entertain in the back seat playing, does this hurt more or less? <laughs> Do you remember that game? Does this hurt more or less? My, brother, my older brother loved playing that with us. We learned after that, it would, now the object was who got to sit in the middle seat, because then you got to play that game all over again. But no matter how far we were driving or how long, we were always asking this question. It seemed like we asked it every 30 minutes. But we'd ask it, I remember it now that way because I've had kids, and we've taken long trips, and we've heard the same thing. You've had kids. You've heard the same thing if you didn't say it yourself. Are we there yet? Right? Are we there yet? And my Uncle Mac, what he would say was beautiful because he'd always say, yeah, we're here. And he was still driving. And we'd look around and go, like, what? What are you talking about? We said, what? And he said, we're here. And we'd say, Uncle Mac, how can we be here if we're still driving? He says, oh, we're here, but we're not where we're going. And then we'd, we'd, he'd leave that with us. But it was always that same answer. We're here, but we're just not yet where we're going. That's really what this feels like to me in 1111. For many of us, we're here. We're not yet where we're going. 
And it's always interesting because if you're like a lot of people that go to church, even us enlightened, more spiritually conscious, more awake individuals in here, most of us come once every six weeks. <laughs> most of us come every couple of weeks. Some of us don't come but every few months or so. But it's all right because, you see, we're here, but we're not where we're going yet. And we're all in different places. Now, I say that vulnerably because as a, as a person who was trained in the ministry before I traveled for 25 years as a storyteller and musician and came back because I accepted this position eight years ago, that I struggle with the fact that I get emails saying, I'm not going to be there this Sunday. And I look out and I go, where is that? Where is so-and-so? I haven't seen them in a while. And then I call or I email or I text, and then it's the awkward, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just have been, I, understand. I only say all this because I understand we are not there yet. We all travel this journey that's our spiritual journey in phases, in bits and pieces. And whatever we're finding out, once we find out enough, we might move on for a while. We might come back. We might move on and never come. It doesn't really matter. It used to matter because I was a pastor that was concerned about, as, as a friend of mine says, what is it? Butts in pews and bips in, no, bips in pews and bips and mips. Yeah, yeah, butts in pews and money in plates. There you go. Thank you very much. Butts in pews and butts in, can you all say that with me? Butts in pews and money in plates. Butts and pews and money and plates. Now, that's just my general anxiety, okay? <laughs> that's just my daily, weekly anxiety, but not anymore. Because I'm not there anymore. I'm now here. <laughs> Even though I'm still going somewhere, you know, I'm still maturing, still changing. This life that we live is always changing, and the challenge is to see what's going on. To pay attention. That's the challenge. That's the challenge in terms of these five givens or these five truths that I've talked about. That life goes awry sometimes. Plans don't go as they seem. People are mean. People disappoint us. Don't do as we expect. We die. Things die. Life dies. We live. We grow. We die. Mortality. Pain. We experience pain. Life is change. And sometimes we get disoriented. But really what this process in here, I think about, as much as it's about worship, our worship is really about practice. Because what we're trying to do is to find that through line. And the more we can connect with that through line, you all know what I'm talking about. The more we connect with that through line, that unexpected suddenly opening up of, wait a minute, something special happened just now. Something sacred happened just now. Was this one of those God moments just now? When we experience that, we don't realize that's all the time everywhere. But that's the through line. That's our practice. Octavia Butler said it this way. All that you, change, all that you touch, you change, whether you know it or not. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change. God is change. Now that may throw some of us because some of us might remember that we were told that God is absolute. Not, God is ever, not changing, uh, ever, you know, unchanging, omniscient. We've had all of these labels that we've grown up with and we've understood them as the way things are. Now, I'd ask you why you, if you understood that as the way things are. Where did you hear that? Who told you that, right? I mean, we learn all of these things. We have a whole history of conditioning in our lives for all, any number of things that we know are right or wrong. Sometimes it takes being upturned, our reality being turned upside down before we go, well, wait a minute. 
What about that? Everything's happening all the time, all at once, but what's the through line that's holding it all together, that's pushing it in some course that Linda and I, my wife, we like to talk about as shalom, how we find the kingdom of God here and now, that place of God's peace, God's love, God's justice, harmony. We're not there yet. We're here. We're headed that way. <laughs> so I want to give you a little memory exercise. Think about this week. And I'll share something that happened. Think about this week, and I want you to think about someone you met or an encounter, just a casual encounter at the store. Think of anyone that you ran across. Maybe it's somebody that you meet on a regular basis, but maybe it was at a gas pump. Maybe it's a 7-Eleven you go to on a regular basis, or, or maybe the pharmacist knows you actually by name, or maybe it's your favorite coffee. Think about somewhere, someone you've encountered this week and what that opened up in you for a moment what that little encounter felt like. Think about if that's happened more than once, if it happened in different ways. Think about all the different people you encountered this week or the different moments. Someone died this week. You sent your condolences. Someone celebrated a birth. You started to think about how joyful that moment is. Your car didn't start. You were thinking about how terrible life can be. <laughs> Think about all the things that happened to you this week. These are all the givens that we speak, that we experience all the time, everywhere. And the challenge is to remember like that time I was flying above the clouds for the first time and realized, oh wait, there's a sun on the other side of these dark clouds. And then the more I flew up there, I realized, oh wait, there's a dark cloud underneath this sun. And it's all the time. So a friend called me to tell me this last week that his Astros won the World Series. Y'all watch that game? You're really excited about it, weren't you? Yeah. He was excited. He said, Dusty Baker, oldest African-American, first of all, African-American manager of a major league baseball team. Secondly, first and oldest to ever win in the World Series. He was telling me all about how much this meant to him. I said, it's a baseball team. But it meant everything to him. He was so excited. He said, you know, they threw Dusty Baker a party. And then they celebrated Dusty Baker's life. And then there was an article written, does Dusty Baker know how much everyone loves him? And I asked my friend, I said, do you love Dusty Baker? And he said, well, yeah. I mean, I guess I love Dusty Baker. And I said, do you know how many people love you? And he said, he just stopped. He, he was like, what kind of question was that? And I asked him again. You see, the challenge for us is to always look for the through line and to recognize what it is we're attaching to when, in fact, that's keeping us from experiencing something else. Because everything is, is ephemeral. Everything is give and take. Next year, the Astros may not win. My neighbor down the street plays for the San Pedros. He's the center fielder for the San Pedros. He came back the Sunday after they lost to the Phillies. The Phillies played the Astros. He didn't watch the game. I asked him, I said, how was it going? Did you watch the game? He said, no, nah, I had other things to do. I congratulated him because he won the Golden Globe again for the second time. He'd won it in his four-year career. His dog barks sometimes, drives me crazy, and then I have to remind myself to laugh. Oh. 
It's all happening all the time, all at once. We attach to stuff all the time, how things are supposed to be. It creates all this emotional, actually neurological damage in us. And then it triggers how the rest of our interactions with others might be. Jesus says we have to die to ourselves in order to experience eternal life. Have you ever really thought about what that meant? What that really means to die to ourselves in order to experience eternal life? Well, TCU was playing Texas last night. How many of you watched that game? How many of you were really excited TCU won? Why? Why? I know they won, but why be excited? I go to, the fun thing was, I was looking at my wife. We both went to Texas, and we both went to TCU for graduate school. We were looking at each other and going, who do we choose? You know, can we get excited that Texas is winning? Oh, wait, we got to flip over now. TCU is winning. Can we get excited now that TCU is winning? I mean, we just, it's such a funny experience to realize how much we attach to outcomes. How many of us were driving down the highway this past week and looking at that billboard that said, Mega Lottery, the Powerball Lottery, $2 billion. You know, Linda was like, what would you do with $2 billion? And I was looking at her going, do you have any change in your purse? You know, just give, if you had a 10, I was like, I have a 10. I was so excited. And then, of course, the person won, right? We had somebody that won it. I had a friend who told me this week after that, because we were talking about it, and he said, you know, I bought uh, seven tickets. I said, you bought seven lottery tickets. He said, yeah. I said, so your, your chances of winning were seven times zero. He said, well, yeah, I guess that's true, but we get attached, right? He was actually disappointed for just a moment and then kind of threw up his hands in, in this kind of idea that was like, I never win anything. And I said to him, well, maybe we need to change our definition of what winning is. I missed that. I missed that. And now I ask you... And I would ask, and then that's a great illustration because my friend and I were talking about Dusty Baker then. And really when we started thinking about why we like Dusty Baker and why we like any of these things that we attach to and that we hope for and that we look forward to seeing some kind of positive outcome is because it's not about that, it's about us. It's because we want a happy story. It's because we want a successful experience. It's because we want to see hope. And what I want to suggest to you is that the challenge for us is to find the through line and recognize that when we connect with the through line, we are bringing hope to these moments. I want to show this quote up here from Mary Oliver. This is the first, the wildest, and the wisest thing I know, that the soul exists and is built entirely out of attentiveness. Now, I don't know if you really looked at this next image. You throw it up there. How many of you have actually really studied this image? It's our series image. It's the series graphic I came up with four or five weeks ago. I asked our local graphics guy, Richard McCoyler, I said, here's my theme. How do we face all the t these five kinds of realities, mortality, change, things don't go the way we planned. We try to have a straight line, and then somebody's standing right in the middle of it, and then they're not doing what we would expect, and they're throwing a wrench in our, in our plans. You see all of that happening here? I loved it. I thought it was great. <laughs> we try to find a straight path. Has, has any of our straight paths ever worked? Are we, any of us exactly where we expected we would be 
20 years ago, 40 years ago, me, 50 years ago. Life is defined by change, by our mortality, as, as I think it was, um, it, I don't think, it might have been Alice Walker that said this, a curve in the road isn't necessarily a bad thing as long as you remember to make the turn. This next image. Sorry, kids. <laughs> it's, it's like, I don't want to see that monkey anymore. <laughs> mean people are always around to teach us the meaning of life? Really? Does that make sense? How do we find that through line? Here's what Cahill Gibran said, the, uh, the uh, 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 inspirational writer back in the 70s. He said, I have learned that silence from the talk. I have learned silence from the talkative. I have learned toleration from the intolerant. I have learned kindness from the unkind. So why is it so strange that I'm ungrateful to all these teachers? Do you need me to repeat that? How many times have you gone online or joined online or just noticed online how many people jump on this bandwagon or that bandwagon? Jump on this negative tail or this negative spin. Jump on this anxious fear or this anxious fear. Somehow it feeds our neurology. It feeds what we're kind of addicted to, that attachment, that need that things work out the way they, that we expect them to. And yet we're not learning from the very thing that's right in front of us. We're not here. We're always thinking about there. We're always thinking about the outcome instead of being present. Saying yes to where we are is this challenge of actually saying yes to what we're experiencing and then paying attention deeply to it. So when I was in Michigan, and I, and I, I told this in my blog, if you didn't get the blog, just let me know. I'm going to keep trying to put some of y'all on there that aren't getting it still, but about 250 of you read it at least. But when you, when, when, you, when you read that story, what I was telling was about this Michigan experience of meeting this bookstore owner who said, haven't you noticed how beautiful the fall colors are out there? And I said, yeah, that's why I love being up here. He said, isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing that death and dying can be so beautiful? And I thought, how, what a strange way to talk about it. And so I put it up as the image. Can we go back to that image? Uh, back to the series image. There we go. Because where's the road going? Well, if we're paying attention enough, it's taking us right into the midst of the things that we want to have our way and have difficulty letting go of in order to see what else is there. And that's always the challenge. Jesus said, except a grain of rice, a grain, except a grain of wheat falls to the earth and is buried and dead to the world, it's never any more than just a seed. Because if it's buried, it, re it reproduces itself. Or as a friend said, sometimes when we're buried under things, we think of it as the end, when in fact it just means we're, we're waiting to grow into something. We're just planted to grow into something. So anyone who holds on to life as it is, destroys it. But if you let go, reckless in your love, you'll have life eternal. Here's what Viktor Frankl said. Let's go past it to Viktor Frankl. Life is not something, it is an opportunity for something. To say yes to life is not only meaningful under all circumstances, it's also possible under all circumstances. So here's a couple of thoughts I want to suggest to you. How do you do it? So I've, we've talked about paying attention. We talked about how when we pay attention to things, we actually resurrect things. We actually bring life to those moments. 
when we pay attention to the slightest little details. We can look for the through line in your story and all of the folks you met this last week. How did you bring life to those moments? And in turn, how did those moments bring life to you? It's not that complicated. Kindness, we hear that all the time, but I want to suggest it's more than kindness. It's actually taking the risk to connect in places that we don't think make a difference. When I left Central Market the other day, I heard my name being called. It was, it was at the end of the day. It was at the end of the store hours. It was almost 10 o'clock. And I looked back, and it was the growler guy. I've talked about him before in here. He's professed as atheist. He always used to rib, rib me, you know, you're, you're a preacher, let me tell you, preacher. And he had all these great lines, these sort of cliche lines about the narrow-mindedness of preachers, the judgments of preachers, you know, the Christianity that everyone thinks is really representative of Christianity kind of thing. So he was coming to see me. He says, hey, hey, wait up there, preacher. And, and I stopped, and then he said, Tom. And I thought, oh, you remember my name. <laughs> and he said, Tom, how's your wife doing? Because he remembered how a year ago this month, Linda had gone through massive cancer surgery, reconstructive surgery, the whole thing. And he'd asked us as we'd been coming back and forth, you know, how she was doing and interested in that. And he's seen her since then because she's doing great, obviously, now. But, um, but I also knew his wife dealing with cancer and also multiple sclerosis and just some other things. A professor who's now early retirement from TCU. I said, well, how's your wife? Well, we're doing all right. We made a trip to Galveston. We talked a little bit about trips, you know. And he said, well, tell your wife I said hi. And I walked away. And it suddenly occurred to me how things had changed, right? How the through line had found itself in spite of all the other distractions and attachments. But it took that willingness to be present in the simplest way. Gillian... Uh, Sunchrist calls it this way. She's a professor at Sussex, at the uh, University of Sussex. She says, it's amazing how profound the tiniest encounters can be when we're intentional about them. On the bus, at the store, on the road because you decide, I'm going to let everybody move in front of me. That's the next right thing for me to do is to slow down and let everybody pull in front of me. You know, it's, or wave to someone or smile. It's the simplest things that suddenly remind us not only are we paying attention to them, but we're transforming them toward us in the simplest ways as well. Like my friend saying, does Dusty know how much he's loved? Do you all know day to day how much you really are loved? That's our through line, and it's always there all the time, in everyone we meet, if we're willing to see it. Here's how Mark Nepo quotes it. It'll be our last quote here. I love this quote. At any moment, if attentive and open enough, we can drop into the very fabric of our existence in which everything, even pain, has this vivid signature of energy that we call at various times truth, beauty, or peace. So what's the next right thing for us to do then? Maybe the next right thing to do for us in face of change is, as Kagan reminds us, to take a breath. A deep, thankful breath as I walked away from the store and I thought about all those people I'd met this week and that I had encounters with and all their different narratives and how it's changed me. And man, apparently I've changed somebody else by accident 
or just by paying attention. And I just said thank you as I exhaled. In the face of change, it may also mean the next right thing is to put your vote to your passion and your, and your, and your sense of conscience. Or it may mean to put paper, pen to paper, and actually write out your prayer to yourself. Pray to God. Just don't forget. God's the very ground of your being, so don't forget to look into the mirror and hear that prayer for yourself. Put your thoughts to paper. Get them out of your head. Write a friend who you haven't talked to. Ask questions. Share some of your feelings. Sometimes the next right thing is a walk in the neighborhood. Sometimes it's a walk in the park, paying attention slowly. Sometimes the next right thing is to smile at a person at the aisle in a grocery store. Sometimes the next right thing is to ask the person behind the cash register, tell me about your tattoo. Sometimes the next right thing is to simply try to connect to the through line that we often forget is always there. And to allow the tears to flow, even in the most difficult times, and on the other side of that, to take a deep breath and let out a sigh and say thank you. Amen. As the sun rose up over the sea, everyone was singing in a minor key. Buddhists, Hindus, Jews, and priests gathered around for the jubilee. Two old ladies still waiting on a sign, growing bitter with age like a yellow tail wine. Shouting at the junkies on the cold street light, do the next right thing or the next thing right. Oh, you're a long way from home. Hear me say, oh, people need a miracle. To do the next right thing. Head hearing voices in the choir preaching. Head diddle diddle, not a fiddle screeching. Moaning up the stairs and rolling in bed. She been talking to God since 2 a.m. Saying, I don't want to go. I don't want to die. But a sister's got to save her seat in the sky. You can judge me. Grade me, shed some light. Do the next right thing or the next thing right. Oh, you're a long way from home. Hear me say, oh, people need a miracle to do the next right thing. Oh, you're a long way from home. Hear me say, oh, people need a miracle to do the next right thing. Wow, nice, thank you. That ought to inspire you. So I'm just going to end with this last thought before we benedict, and that's the thought that somebody that had sent a Facebook posting out challenged this question, and I want to challenge you with this question because it's one of those things we attach to all the time. I know we've let go of a lot in here. Maybe we're trying to find a new way to think about all of this. But someone said, how would you tell someone in an elevator pitch why you're a Christian or how you're a Christian, right? 
When, if they were to say, are you a Christian? And they were sort of like, well, how would you answer that in an elevator pitch? And I was trying to do all the deconstruction and the disorienting and the reorienting in my head and how I would throw all of that into a, into a concise sort of phrase that's, you know, we're on a journey, we're, we're doing this, we're, you know, life is, is a mixed reality, we're all in a through line, how do we connect to that? And I was trying to figure out how would I say all of that, and then it hit me. If I was in the elevator and somebody asked me that, I would turn and I would say, have you experienced anything amazing this week? Have you experienced anyone? Tell me about a time where you experienced something surprising this week. Because I love stories. And I just like to hear something of yours. Let's stand for benediction. So we don't say go in peace. We say go in pieces. <laughs> Our time has come to an end. Ideas have been upended, but always new ideas are being mended. And while illusions are being shattered and confusion is being opened up to find some new intrusion that's saying something here, something is seeking to be born in this moment, always, everywhere, and all the time. And so we go in pieces. And even though at times it feels like it's unraveling, remember, we are traveling together, wherever we are, all of us, traveling together as we let it roll out in front of us and become the path that we go, and so we go in pieces. <laughs>